What's up? What's up? Welcome to another episode of Iron Sharpens Iron. It is your host, Chris Whedon and Brandon Fotopoulos. What's going on, Brandon? Hey, Chris, man. Doing great. How yourself? Man, living the dream, living the dream. I'm actually excited for this episode because we have special guests with us, Tom and Kitty White from Endow Cacao. How are you all doing? Great. Good, good, good. Awesome. Ready for some ready for some food this week. Oh, man, aren't we all? Yes, <laughs> so, so Tom and Kitty are in Atlanta. Is that where Thanksgiving is happening this year or Yes, yep, right here. Right next to the room next to us. <laughs> perfect. Uh, perfect. Um, and, and I think, uh, Brandon, you staying in Nashville for Thanksgiving? Yeah, we have some people coming in from Charlotte to, uh, to hang out with us for the weekend. So, uh, so we'll be, uh, hosting. Okay. There we go. There we go. Well, I will be in Virginia, so we're all, we're spread apart, but we will be together in spirit. So this is a special episode for me. I had the pleasure of meeting Tom. I want to say it's been few years but three years ago now yeah that sounds about right chris yeah so we both worked at assurian previously he was my vp of sales and i knew initially that tom and i would get along because we both had a love for soccer so um, those of you that are listening you know how passionate i am having uh, traveled the world to play the sport that i love and and tom is also a huge fan, has a lot of friends in the industry and the game as well. Yeah, so we've we've we hit it off initially and now he, he and his wife are doing some big things. So wanted to connect with him. But it looks like Tom is holding something there. And I think it is the the original <laughs> OG Dallas Burn jersey. Most of you have no idea what that is. <laughs> But uh, I love it because my first email that my granddad and I set up was Dallas Burn eighty nine, and Tom saw that pulls this out of the closet and and I'm I'm in shock, you know, just because I'm I haven't seen that in years. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So how did you get that jersey, and how long ago was it? Yeah, great question. Um, so that was year one of MLS. Uh, 1996. Um, Dallas is now FC Dallas for the soccer fans out there. But uh, Dallas Burn, uh, we were season ticket holders. We just moved there from New Jersey and I was with AT&T uh, beginning my telecommunications uh, track. And um, they played at the Cotton Bowl, usually in front of 10,000 fans in an 80,000 seat stadium and usually about 100 degrees. But it was pro soccer in the U.S. So it was a great start. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, I, I'm pretty sure I started my email a little a little later, you know, um, being on, I'm, I'm thinking it was around fifth or sixth grade. So that that makes sense for the for the start of the MLS season. But that's awesome. I'm glad I'm glad to see that. I'm glad I'm not the only Dallas Burn fan. <laughs> but yeah, so obviously you and you and your wife, Kitty, are. Uh, partners with Endow Cacao. And Brandon and I had the pleasure of, well, I had the pleasure of getting some samples in right here. I snacked on 
on the cinnamon sample on the way up here. So thank you for sending those in. I'm looking forward to trying trying the the pure nib in my coffee tomorrow morning. So nice. We will see how that goes. But yes, I want to, I guess, start off with how you both got started in your own business venture. Yeah, I'll start out. And um, Kitty actually just recently came on board uh, full time. Um, but this uh, idea started probably about three years ago. And it really um, originated, you know, one out of a, a love for the Latin American uh, people and visits to Costa Rica in particular over the last 15, 16 years and playing soccer with the locals down there, uh, making some good, you know, friendships and, um, you know, helping out, bringing cleats down and then educational supplies and just really fell in love with the people and the um, just the environment, the, the, you know, ecology down there, the, um, the birds, the wildlife, it's just a beautiful part of the world. And uh, for those who've been down, you've, you've experienced that. Um, but the trigger for, for the business was myself and um, my former partner, who's now enjoying more time in retirement right now with his, his grandchildren and traveling around the world, um, which will lead into Kitty's introduction. But um, we were down there on a trip and there was a, uh, uh, an Indian woman on the side of the road, basically promoting cacao products. And we actually went into her house with her, her husband and her son, her teenage son, and they were selling cocoa butter and nibs and beans that were caramelized in a, in a, in a pot. And um, they're grown in only a tight band around the world or on the equator. So you find it in parts of Africa, parts of Latin America. You won't find it up here in the United States because the climate's not right. It's kind of similar to coffee. So okay. started seeing it, it growing uh, in terms of use down there by a lot of surfers, you know, Americans. Um, the natives ate, ate the product a lot. And then as we researched it in the United States, we found that younger Americans in particular, or, or healthy Americans, but a lot of folks that are your age, you know, Brandon and Chris, um, just are a lot more focused on what they're eating, where it's from, and how the people who are growing it are treated. And, and that wasn't the case when, when we were growing up. So we were able to find a nice uh, match between what we thought was a growing market and a chance to um, try to pay you know, above market wages to, to raise the standard of living of the farmers, um, but also you know, provide a product that seemed to be growing in popularity as people moved away from sugar and, and dairy and more healthy products. Um, so we launched um, the business about two years ago took about a year to make some visits down there to, to farms and rural parts of, of Costa Rica uh, in particular and learn the business, um, go, go through the basics of packaging, the, the name. Um, and Alcacao wasn't our first name, but um, naming is always a tricky thing and that a lot of the names you want are already taken. So then you have to go to the second and third and fourth choice. But in Dow Cacao, we, we like it in that it was a rhyme, but in Dow is to give or give back. So we feel like with this product, we're, we're giving back to the, the farmers, the communities that grow this product. A lot of them are women. A lot of them are Indian uh, in the mountains of Central America. And, uh, and then also it gives back to, to your health. Um, and those who buy it are helping you know, give back to you know, the people who are growing it. So um, we launched about a year ago commercially. We're in month 13 right now. And, um, and Kitty started coming on board, uh, helping out probably the beginning of this year. So I'll turn it over to her as how... She got involved and now and now she's uh, the managing partner. There we go. <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> um, 
Well, I was working, my background is in sales. Um, I've worked for several publishing companies and so I'm sort of a, that's where my strengths lie. Um, I did that and then, you know, had three kids and did a bunch of different things. But uh, I, pre-pandemic, was working at a design firm as it sounds super nerdy, but I was their librarian, and okay. it was my favorite job ever. Um, got to meet tons of sales reps and deal with all kinds of different materials, but um, COVID happened, and I got furloughed, and then um, got, you know, let go from that job, um, which I loved. I loved that job, but as that was happening, and Dow Cacao was sort of on the rise, and David and Tom were busy trying to put the company together and figure out the websites and the website and social media and packaging and labeling. And um, it was pretty intense period of time where they were trying to uh, uh, put the business together. And um, I can't remember exactly when it happened, but we, we had this moment where um, we were at a brewery and we noticed there were cacao nibs used in this a stout. Okay. And we're like, oh, that could be another way to sell this cacao. So long, long story behind that is started reaching out to some breweries. Uh, we have a spreadsheet of about 60 in just the Atlanta area. And there's probably wow. more than that. Um, and we have, I think we just got our eighth customer selling large quantities of cacao for their dark beers. Um, wow. So that was kind of a cool, um, unexpected revelation in, in the business. And um, David uh, uh, left, left and um, we decided that I would take the majority and it would be a women-owned business, <clears throat> okay. which comes with lots of benefits. So that's kind of where we are now. <laughs> okay. I love that you both are building this together now, right? Um, why cacao? Like what was it about that specific product? I know being being in Central America, you had a you had a, a, a love for that area and the natives there, but what was it about the product that said, you know what, I think we can do something with this here in the States? Yeah, great question. Um so cacao is um, really an interesting product. Like I, I did not know that much about it besides it was in chocolate um, going back a few years. And that when I'm in a supermarket, particularly the chocolate aisle, you see, um, you know, 70% or 80% or 90%. And there's this perception that's developed of, hey, the higher percentage of cacao, the, the, the healthier the chocolate is for you. Um, but as you as research the product, um, learn that, it was really a native plant to uh, southern Mexico, all the way down through the northern part of South America, going back to Mesoamerica times. So there's a really fascinating history of it. It, it used to be uh, fought over. It used to be um, used as currency. It was uh, wow. uh, really just an incredibly, um, almost a deified product. You see it in, in ancient architecture down in the um, some of the... Um, old uh, Indian cultures in the, in the ruins and artifacts down there. So cacao was absolutely um, a revered product. Uh, 
And then the Europeans got a hold of it and they basically took up all the product and then turned it into chocolate, uh, mainly by you know adding the dairy and the, and the sugar. So it's it had disappeared in lots of part, a lot of part of Central and South America. It's making a comeback now, and this is one of the, kind of a, one of the real things that was appealing to it beyond just the history is it really is a native plant that grows between the larger trees and the smaller brush. And um, so it, it gets along with the natural plants that grow in a rainforest in particular. Um, agroforestry. Yeah, agroforestry. So it's super friendly to the environment, to the plants, to the animals. Um, and it's also very uh, low on, on water usage. So when you look at uh, a lot of food evaluators these days are looking at carbon footprint of what we eat. You know, what's the, what's the, what's the amount of energy that goes into, you know, a steak versus a, a, a bottle of soda. Um, cacao is very low. It just grows naturally with a little bit of, you know, training on, on how to grow it properly and very friendly to the environment. A, a comparison would be pineapples um, require a ton of water, you clear cut, bad for the environment um, down there and, uh, and just require a scarce resource water to be able to grow one pineapple. So that in itself was very appealing to me. The other part of it, um, I would say, is that um, there was an opportunity to help the human side as well. So it's, it's not something that grows quickly. So there has to be education of the local populations that, hey, if you grow these seedlings, these cacao seedlings in six, seven years, you know, you're going to have a recurring kind of annual uh, twice a year you know, opportunity um, to, to have an income. And that requires patience. So a lot of the folks who are growing it are cooperatives of you know, primarily women because the men are out doing landscaping, construction, factory work. And so the women are owning a lot of the cacao uh, work and, and forming cooperatives. So that part was appealing as well in that it's a chance to get people to have a really good steady income over time um, and, and help them to learn how to do some things like how do I certify to be organic where I can get more money than if it's non-organic. And, and that requires some computer skills or, you know, somebody to help them do those things. So um, right. there were a lot, a lot of appeals in terms of helping a, um, a population kind of raise up, but also doing something that's very good for the environment and, and knowing that the market is growing here um, that can kind of help both on the supply and the demand side on the consumer side, it's education. So we have to educate people differently on, you know, what do you know about it? What, you know, what don't you know about it? And, and if you don't know much about it, how do I use it? And what are the health benefits of it? And the health benefits may be different for somebody in their fifties like us than somebody, you know, in their twenties or thirty like you all. Right. Okay. No, I, I like that. It's so in the name, I love how you put, you said endow means giving back or give back. And I love that you have incorporated that name within the product, right? To make sure that, hey, I wanted to give back to a community in an area that gave back to you, essentially, right? Mm -hmm. I, I think it's fair. I could say that uh, you went to Central America, fell in love with the culture and the people. And, and now you have a way where you can give back to them through through this product. And I think that's I think that's awesome. Yeah, it's been a nice, it's been a nice, nice match so far. Um, and, uh, one, you know, a, a challenge, but a good challenge is 
it's becoming more popular. Um, mm -hmm. You know, the, the product is becoming more popular. And so now the demand for it is growing. So can the demand keep up with, you know, the, 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 sorry to say, the supply keep up with the demand as it's growing, which means we have to kind of lock, lock in some of our suppliers to be able to get the product out of Latin America. So that's, but that's a good problem because wages are rising. The price per pound is going up. Um, so, yeah, no, I think it's a, it's, it's, a, it, it's a good, it's one of many good examples, I think, with food sourcing that are happening mm -hmm. right now where people really want to understand where things are being grown, how they're being grown, and how the people who are growing it are being treated. Right. And, and Kitty mentioned this was happenstance that you kind of fell into the, the brewery game as well. Uh, can, you, can you just tell us how that happened? I know you mentioned you saw that they were using cacao nibs, but you know, how did you spark that conversation? And, and then now it's led to eight different partnerships. So I'm very interested in that. Well, I think it, is it coming from? Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, we're going tonight, actually. We're going to our first client tonight and we're done with this. <laughs> oh, there we go. Well, I'll just say on it as an aside, it, is, it, you know, it can be a very dangerous <laughs> um, business we're in because it involves a lot of trips to breweries. <laughs> <laughs> To, to, to catch people, you know, uh, the brewer <laughs> specifically, you know, to get get their ear, it's, you know, you got to go at like three or four o'clock in the afternoon. So we normally will do that. And of course, we have to try the beers, too. So that's oh, of course, part, that's the part of the job. Um, exactly. But the, there's a very small brewery that Tom was talking about, Contrast in Chambly, Georgia, which is a it's just a growing, uh, really uh, diverse uh, part of Atlanta, a little town near Atlanta, I guess that we call mm -hmm. it, um, that's just changing by the day. And it's a nano brewery, and meaning it's tiny. And um, Tom struck up a conversation with the owner, Chase, who's, you know, 30. Well, everyone's 30. Another college soccer player <laughs> like you, Chris. There we go. That's right. Um, and, you know, one thing led to another and uh, he, you know, we gave him some samples of the, of the nibs and he tried it in a, in a beer and you're going to have to tell me, tell the rest. Cause I, I'm going to forget those details, but um, it, it was, it, it was, it's all about a relationship and, and we find that, um, you know, you can send as many things you want through the mail. You can email people, you can, text them you can what you know reach out to them on social media but like showing up to these places is you know nothing has compared with that and we meet okay. we meet people like chase and other brewers and start the conversation and you know we're invested and and it's been it's been really cool to meet these people and be part of their their journeys too um but chase is our first the first one who you know kind of took a chance on us and believed the yeah. And I, I just add that, you know, I think the brewers are also, many of them are just very focused on where their ingredients are sourced, whether it's, you know, coconut or they're putting some, you know, fruit in, in their, in their um, product, you know, they want to buy local. So buying local is important, but then for really all of them in Atlanta, they're buying on the internet, their cacao from somewhere, usually California, sometimes Colorado. And um, they don't know much about what they're buying. And so we've been able to educate them on what they're buying. Um, we're not going to be the cheapest uh, because we don't have the scale and we're paying more for what we get. But we can right. help educate them. And, and a few of them have actually had us 
uh, out at releases of their stouts or porters to hand out samples and just talk to some of their customers. Hey, that pint of beer you bought, hey, let me tell you a little about the chocolate flavor and where it's coming from. And here's some pictures of the farms that it's grown on in Ecuador or Panama or Costa Rica. That's awesome. That's awesome. And um, you're dropping some gems there as far as, you know, it's, we can't always connect over social media or on the phone. Like sometimes you have to show up. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's important. It's been important in my, in my um, journey of being, I don't like using the word entrepreneur, but uh, in working for myself, just mm-hmm. because a lot of times you do need to, to be face to face in order to really build that connection with someone. So, so true. I think, I think for whoever's listening, uh, if you're an introvert, it's okay, but sometimes that face-to-face interaction will definitely, um, you know, shoot you ahead of where you could have been. Mm-hmm. And I have, a, I have a quick question for you too as well. Um, obviously, I mean, I can tell that the passion is there. And um, just to relate to you guys, I'm currently in the middle of opening up a franchise gym in, here in Nashville. Um, we had the same kind of idea with you. It was like, COVID just hit, uh, me and my buddy were um, members at the one in Charlotte and fell in love with the concept, the people, mm-hmm. the environment, the culture, the product, obviously. Um, so we decided to jump and take a risk, obviously, because there's there's no gain without, you know, taking that first jump and eventually, you know, two, three, four jumps after that. Um, but obviously, you guys are not the youngest people. Um, looking great, but not the youngest people. Though, but you guys are so passionate <laughs> about it. Yeah, <laughs> I see it. But you guys are so passionate about what you're doing, and obviously it's it's growing, it's becoming successful. Um, so what would you say just to the person that maybe not the youngest person out there that's kind of on the fence about, you know, should I um, jump into my hobby that I love, but should I try and make it a business? And maybe they've been going back and forth and playing that mental battle, or they have a great career life like you guys did as well. Um, but they're starting to realize, you know, it's not as fulfilling as what their passion may be. Um, what continues to drive you guys and, you know, you guys took the jump kind of, what would you tell them to say, you know, Hey, let's like, go ahead and take the risk. It's well worth it. Well, I think in our case, it was a timing thing. You know, we, as you said, you know, we've, we've had careers and, and, you know, the timing was right. But, um, I think it was actually on your podcast, Christopher, if I'm not mistaken on the first freedom one it what I listened to and it was talking about taking a risk and it was talking about like what do you have to lose because if you don't do it you're if you do it and it fails you're 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 at the point you were when you started exactly (laughs) I think that was basically what you said and yeah that I that's been in my head actually (laughs) since I heard it and it's true um you know, if you have the wherewithal and, and you have a little, uh, you know, some support to do it, like, I, I just don't see the downside. Um, obviously, if you have a family to support and you've got to make money, that's a whole different thing. But Tom has a friend um, who started a company called Vol- Volcanica Coffee. You worked with him at Cox? AT&T. AT&T. Um, and he started it from his house, kind of like we're doing with this. And, um, it has, he's now quit his job, you know, his regular job, um, and doing it full time and incredibly successful. So I think it's just, it's passion and it's also discipline, you know, Mm -hmm. discipline. 
and just to add a comment, Brandon, I think that's a terrific question because I actually remember having a kind of a year-end review meeting in my early days at at t with my boss's boss. They called them skip-level meetings at the time. And she was asking me, so what do you, what do you want to do in a few years? And, and I said, I want to have an import business from Mexico. I didn't know what I wanted to import, but it took me 25 years to act on it. Um, and a lot of that was just probably, you know, risk assessment on my part and having kids and saving for college and all that. But um, I, I do think it's so much easier to do something like you're doing now or something like what we're doing. The cost to start a business have come down significantly. The uh, sources of funding are, are much more broad and plentiful than they were years ago. So, um, you know, I, 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 I do. I, I mean, I know this is part of what you all have been kind of poking at and asking about and kind of thinking through with this podcast, which I think is terrific is, you know, you just have to do your, do your homework, do the, do the best, you know, analysis you can talk to as many people, um, have the idea tested, use your trusted advisors, your, whoever those are to, uh, poke at it. Um, we actually created a board of advisors of probably of about six people that were really trusted, um, folks who, who didn't know much about cacao really none of them did, but we wanted them to kind of poke at the business plan for us before we launched. And it made it a much better business plan. So I'd also just encourage people to, you know, get those folks that you value their, their, their input, their judgment on you, but also the business world and let them help you frame and shape what you're doing and, and try to minimize your risk and, and give it a a window of time. I mean, I I always Mm -hmm. have a certain number of years when I went into a job of, I want to do this for so many years. So if you can set those parameters and which sounds like, you know, you have and wish you the very best, um, up there in Nashville, you, you couldn't be in a better market, I think, for something like what you're doing. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I just encourage people to do it earlier than later because almost everyone I've spoken to who has, has done something on their own that they wanted to, none of them are saying, hey, I wish it was 30 years or 35 years. Like, gosh, I wish I started this 10 years ago. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, so, I mean, what I took from that is just do it, you know, there's you're going to end up right where you were. So that's okay. Have people that you trust when you're having these conversations, because there are, there are some people that you can communicate with that are just going to shoot down whatever, uh, with negativity. So be mindful of who you're sharing your, your dreams and and goals with. And, And then also like you have time, right? It doesn't matter what age we are. You know, if there's if there's something boiling or brewing inside of you, you have time to to jump in and it doesn't matter. There's there's really nothing holding you back. You know, as long as there's breath in your lungs, that's the way I take it. So, right, right. That's right. And I think one one other thing I'll I'll just say, just general, not specific to our business. But, you know, anytime you're doing something new like this, like what you've both done, you know, with with the podcast and your other ventures, you know, it's about relationships too. So as you try these things out, you're going to form relationships with people and, you know, maintain those, foster those with the people that you really, you know, trust, value, or, or that you, you, you feel like they can help you in some way in your journey. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's huge. And I, that brings me to my, my last question here. Being business partners, with your husband, with your wife, as a single guy, like how has that 
transition from being in a traditional business where you you weren't working together, you weren't doing anything together besides raising a family, which is huge. We're not going to count count any of that out. But now, I I believe your your children are all in college at a minimum, and and here you are starting a business together. So how how has that relationship? And, and just business development been? Because this is new for, for the both of you as well. I'm going to step outside of the room and then when Kitty's done, I'll come back. <laughs> oh, go ahead, you can start first. That's a really good question. Um, I Probably one that I probably need to think about a little bit more, but I think, you know, Tom has strengths and I have strengths. And they're different. Mm-hmm. We're very different people. He's very quantitative, um, more detail orientated, um, really good with spreadsheets. I look at a spreadsheet. I just want to know the bottom number, like just the bottom number. You know? um, but I think we complement each other. And I think we're both in terms of, you know, let's say we go to a brewery and we're, you know, we don't have a plan. We don't have like, okay, you're going to go find, you know, it just happens because I think we, we've been together for 30 years and, you know, we're comfortable together. And, um, I think, I think a sense of humor is also something we share, um, that really takes us a long way. I think, I don't know if you agree, but, um, I think that that has really um, been a great kind of um, element of our relationship and and business in business too. Um, so I think he's teaching me a lot, uh, you know, I about the business that you know the details that I had no idea about, and um, hopefully I've taught him a little bit. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> so it's a give and take. It's um, I think it's a natural thing for us because we we know each other so well and we've been together so long. Um, it's been kind of a nice uh, transition into the, this business relationship. Yeah, great answer, and I'll I'll just add but briefly. Um, <laughs> you, well, we want this to be we both want both want this to be fun, right? We want we want it to achieve some objectives, but we also want to have fun doing it. So that's a primary. Um, kind of underlying element here. And I, I think it's also important to make sure, you know, Kitty wants to go out and play play golf or spend some time, you know, with, with their friends, get, you know, get out and do it. You need to have some, you know, time doing things on your own as well and exercising, you know, taking care of yourself. Um, and then we've been able to work work out some trips, uh, you know, if we're going to visit family in New Jersey or our, our daughter in Charlotte, you know, we're bringing samples up and we're trying to do a little prospecting as well. So trying to um, allow us to do some of the additional traveling post COVID or as COVID gets better that we wanted to do um, while, you know, working in a little business as well. So it's uh, yeah, I think you just have to, you have to pick somebody, you know, whether it's, whether it's your spouse or a friend um, that, you know, you trust that you're comfortable with. And, you know, I think that you, you feel like you're going to have, have, have fun doing it as well. Um, and you both enjoy, you know, the, the, the venture that you're in. So, um, yeah. so far, so good. We'll have to, We'll have to get back to you on an update, you know, after another six months. <laughs> well, 
honestly, from from both of your responses, I trust that this is going to be uh, successful and thriving for for both of you. So, uh, thank you all for sharing. Yes, and uh, Brandon, you have anything? I just had one question. Mention New Jersey. Uh, what part originally from? Well, I, I'm originally from Montclair, Montclair, New Jersey. Okay. And, and I'm from Chatham, um, up up in North Jersey as well. But then we also lived in South Jersey, uh, Brandon, for 13 years when I worked for Comcast in Morristown, right next to Cherry Hill. Okay. So I was um, I was born in Neptune, but I grew up um, all the way through high school before I left for college in uh, Tom's River. So, oh my uh, gosh! Okay. So right by the shore. So who else was born in Neptune? I was born in. Oh, Neptune. there we go. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, I miss Pete and Elda's every once in a while, and that pizza since I can't get any solid pizza in Nashville yet. But um, but yeah, it's uh, I miss I miss the food for sure. That's that's one huge thing. Well, to ge- geographically linked family, you know, to to town, Tom's River. My parents live in Spring Lake. My dad grew up in Seager, and I have a brother who lives in Belmar. So uh, okay, no no Pete and Elda's well, and the Swan Tavern, and <laughs> oh yeah, um, that's really cool. Really, that's cool. awesome. Super cool. Yes. Super cool. Wow, I've never met anyone else born in Neptune. So that's that is. I think awesome. I think my parents lived there for a short period of time um, before they moved back down to Tom's River because um, my dad was in the uh, Union, so we traveled um, between New York and New Jersey for a while before moving uh, moving away. But uh, yeah, grew up in uh, grew up in Tom's River after small that. World. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Definitely a small world. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. we want to thank everyone who is always supporting us, always tuning in to our episodes. If you were able to take something from this episode, all we ask is that you share this. And if there are things that we can work on as well, please let us know because we are always working to be better. Hence, iron sharpening iron. Thank you all again for tuning in. We love you all. And until next time, peace.